If you take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. Thank you, Pastor, for the, the, motel, or the hotel room and the gift bag. It's such a blessing. Thank you. Thank you so much. 1 Kings chapter 18, we'll begin reading in verse 17. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel, and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. Father, I pray that you'd bless the service tonight. I pray that you'd give me the words to say. Help me to honor your word. Fill me with your spirit that I might speak exactly what you'd have me to say. Fill the congregation with your spirit that they would receive what you have for them tonight. I pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The people of Israel here were trying to serve God and Baal at the same time. Baal was a Canaanite god that they uh, did not destroy when they came into the land, and so it caused them great trouble. So here they're trying to serve both of them. It's impossible, and Elijah is trying to show them that it is foolish, and so they couldn't even answer. They didn't even know what to do. So Elijah says, okay, we're going to show you who is God. You know the story of how they put the bullocks on the altar, and he said, the one that answers by fire, that's the one that is the real God. They said, okay, we'll do it. Most of you know the story of how they prayed and, and danced and sang and cried and cut themselves all day long, screamed. Uh, I think the, uh, the humor of Elijah is very funny. Call a little louder. Maybe your God's on a journey somewhere. Maybe he's sleeping. Well, he knew there was no God. Right. Nothing happened. Then Elijah said, okay, guys, you've wasted enough of my time. It's my turn. Amen. While you're at it, why don't you pour some water on there? Why don't you pour some more water? 63 words later, God answers by fire. And I love what it says at the very end where they said, the Lord, he is God. But I want you to draw your attention back to verse 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, 
follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. You say, well, Brother Matt, I have chosen. I believe Jehovah is God. Then follow him. I'm in church. I come to church. I come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I go soul winning. I read my Bible. He says, follow him. Some people are waiting. That's basically what Elijah said. What are you waiting for? If you say that God or that Jehovah is God, what are you waiting for? Serve him. How long will it take before you decide to serve God? How long will it take for you to eventually say, the Lord is God and I will follow him? Isn't that what a Christian is? Uh, sometimes we just, we, we take that name, but we don't understand what it means. It means someone who follows Christ. That means we do what he says, not what I say. I am not a Matthewite. I'm not the one in charge. I'm a Christian, which means I follow Christ. Some people are waiting until they have enough time. Well, I, I just don't have enough time to serve God right now. I, I'm busy. Life expectancy in Uganda is 47. Anybody get saved after you were 47? Anyone? It's a good thing you weren't in Uganda. Oh, I don't have enough time. Uh, think of those people up in paradise. They didn't have much time to get out of town. When my dad went on deputation to go to Uganda, they told him, why are you wasting your time? Why are you dragging your family to Africa? You'll never get there. You're just going to waste your time. That was right after they said, he's coming, Jesus is coming in 88. And there's 88 reasons why he's coming in 88 too. Why are you doing that? You're wasting your time. That was 28 years ago. My dad went there, was there for over 20 years, started several churches, led hundreds to Christ, started several radio stations, started several Bible colleges, influenced other missionaries to go there. My brothers, my sister, myself, we've seen hundreds, maybe thousands of people saved. My dad wasn't wasting his time. I remember when dad surrendered to go to Uganda, he was over 40. And I thought he was old. <laughs> well, it's, you know, I, I just don't have enough time. Oh, we have enough time. We don't need more time. We need to take advantage of the time that we have now. Those men you saw there that got saved... The, the first guy, Godfrey, uh, he got saved because I needed some shoes fixed. I needed to find a cobbler who could fix my daughter's shoes. I went and found the guy, but I couldn't speak the language. There was another man standing next to uh, the shop there, and he said, I understand the language. I'll help you. 
he helped me with the, with the shoe. And then he said, what are you doing here in Uganda? I said, well, I'm a missionary here preaching the gospel. Oh, that's interesting. So I, I told him, I said, look, I don't have time right now, but can I make an appointment to come back and talk to you? Went back the next day and began to listen to him talk. Uh, he began to tell me some amazing stories. I thought, this guy is either the biggest liar or he has had such a colorful history like I've never heard of a Ugandan have. He's lived in America, he's lived in Japan, lived in Sweden, been all over the world, done all kinds of things, began to tell me some of the things. And when he said he was a wicked sinner, he was right. And you know, he said, God couldn't save me. Can't save me. I've done too many bad things. As I began to share the love of Jesus Christ with him, he bowed his head and received Jesus Christ. And I wasn't even planning to talk to him. I didn't even know him there. But I took the time where I was at. You know, God brings people across our path. And we're so focused on what we're doing, on our business, we don't even realize God brings people our way so that we can talk to them. The third guy, Brian, we met him because I wanted to plant some banana trees in our compound. I sent Marcus and another guy into town to find someone who could bring some banana trees. They walked into town, found a guy pushing a motorcycle. He'd run out of gas and they said, hey, do you know where we can find some banana trees? He said, yeah, I've got some. I live in the village. I can go get some. So they told him where, to, where our house was. He went and got them, brought them back. He also brought some tomato plants because he was a tomato farmer. He planted the trees, planted the plants, the tomato plants. Everything was good. He said, I'm going to come back and check on them. So he came back in about two weeks, checked on them. Everything was okay. Everything is good. We got to talk to him a little bit. He left. And another couple of weeks, he came back again, wanted to check on them. Things are doing good. And he said, you know, I've seen your place. Now you need to see my place. Aha, here we go. Went out to the village, met his family sat down in his living room and asked him about if he was a Christian or not. He said, oh, yes, I'm a Christian. I, I preach in the Scripture Union and I do all these things. And, and I said, well, what about your salvation? How are you born again? He couldn't give me an answer. That's when I told him, you sound like Cornelius. You fear God, you give money, you do these things, but you're not even saved. After sharing the gospel with Brian, he bowed his head and trusted Christ. We don't need more time. We need to take the time that we are given. By the way, all those banana trees died. <laughs> Brian still owes me because all the banana trees died. But you know, it's interesting that those who are the busiest are usually those that get called on to do more work. You ever notice that? I'm sure when you need someone to do something, you don't find the person who has all the time because they never do anything. You find those who are the busiest, those who are doing something. The disciples told Jesus in Mark chapter 6, it's too late. Send the people home. Jesus said, make them sit down. It's not too late. It's not too late. Well, when I get that better job and I'll have more time, then I can serve God. When the kids, when I get the kids in school, then I won't have to worry about them. Then I'll serve God. When the kids leave the house, then I'll serve God. You're waiting until you have more time? If the Lord be God, follow Him. Today, 
What does James 4, 13 say? We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Oh, I'll serve God tomorrow. And we don't know that we have that time. What about all those people up in paradise? I'm sure they were thinking about what they were going to do the next day. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. If the Lord be God, follow him today. Some people are waiting until they have enough money before they serve God. That lottery, 1.5 billion. Lord, if you would just let me win that lottery, I'll give half. <laughs> Lord, if you'll give me that raise at work, then I'll serve you, I'll give to you. No, we won't. If, if we can't even give the little that we have, do we really think God is going to give us more? Well, I'm just waiting for that position that I can have and then I'll have more freedom and then I'll be able to give. With more position comes more responsibility. You won't do it then. Waiting till the job pays enough, till taxes go down, 401k gets to a right amount, gas prices go down. When we built that church building... We had no money. I knew God wanted us to build that building. So we started. We, had to, we started with what little we had. We began. I told the guys that were helping, guys, uh, we only have enough money till the end of Friday. We have no more money for sand. We have no more cement. We have nothing else. Wednesday, Thursday comes along. I get an email from a church saying, we want to send you some money for your church building. Step by step. If we had waited until we got it all, we'd have never got it. But as we did what we could, we sang the song, little as much, when God is in it. Remember, if we are doing God's will, then God will provide. You see, it's not my will. Yes, I'm in Uganda, but it's not, it's not because of me. It is God's will. And if I am doing God's will, he'll provide. I'm just a manager. I don't have to worry about the finances. Because he provides. Now, sometimes I may get ahead of him a little bit when I don't get what I think I should get. But God takes care of it in his time. But am I willing to use what I have now? Or am I waiting for more? We, many of us, don't understand how much we waste here in America. We think we have it so bad. Really, we have so much. We have so much. Are we waiting for more? Do we really expect God to give us more when we won't use what we have? Maybe you're waiting until you have enough education. If you wait until all your education is finished, it'll be done. We never stop learning. In our discipleship program there in Uganda, we have 18 lessons that they go through. Discipleship one is what we call it. 
When they finish those lessons, by then they will have gotten involved in many things. Uh, they will have been baptized. They will be reading their Bible. Uh, they have a prayer time. We teach them soul winning, teach them to give, teach them to join the church, all those things. So when they finish lesson 18, they have gone through the basic doctrines they need to know as a new Christian. Then we go to discipleship 2, which teaches them how to disciple someone else. Someone gets saved. We say, all right, here's someone to disciple. That first discipleship could take about six months. You say, you mean you have someone who's six months discipling someone else? Sure. Oh, are, they the str are they a strong Christian? Are they really on fire? Maybe not necessarily. But they are teaching what they have learned. And many of them, as they go through these lessons, they say, we've never heard this before. Didn't you just tell me about that? A lady that said she was in a church for 40 years and never heard preaching like this. We disciple the... And, and these are just basic things from the Bible. And they say, we've been in church all our life. We've never heard this before. This is amazing. But you know, when they have to then teach other people, they learn even more. And they come to me and say, Pastor, you taught that to me, but I'm learning even more because I have to teach it to someone else. At the same time that they are discipling others, now they go to discipleship three, which is Bible college. So not only are they applying what they've learned, but now they're learning more. We have a four-year Bible college, uh, much like the states here where you have Bible doctrines and the books of the Bible, and you go through all these different things. But before they can graduate, they not only have to have their 96 academic hours completed, they also have to have a certain number of practical units completed. For example, it's just a simple list. Ushering, giving announcements, song leading, singing a special, helping in kids' class, teaching in kids' class, discipling others, teaching a teen's class, teaching an adult class, preaching in church, preaching in the village, starting a ministry, turning it over to another ministry, uh, that ministry over to another person. That's before they graduate. We don't have time to wait, people. We must do what we can now. I am sure Pastor Fawn would love for some people to come up and say, Pastor, I don't know a lot, but what I know, I'll be glad to help. I don't have a lot of time, but the time I have, I'm willing to help. I don't have much money, but what I have, I'll be willing to sacrifice. It's interesting as we, we tell people in Uganda that, that we homeschool, my wife homeschools. They say, wow, how, I, I could never do that. It just, no, I couldn't do that. And I ask them, did you go to kindergarten? Yes. As if, think I'm stupid? I go, went to kindergarten. Well, why don't you teach your kids kindergarten? You can do that, can't you? Did you go to P1, first grade? Well, yes. Can't you teach them first grade? They say, I never thought of that before. <laughs> yeah. I can teach something that I've learned. Amen. 
We don't have time to wait. If the Lord be God, serve Him now. I love, Pastor, talking about the vision for next year. But some of you are thinking already, well, I'll wait until that vision comes out. Then I will do something. Don't wait. You may not be, you may not be there. People living in America have a tremendous advantage over other people. Tremendous advantage. There's a joke that our, our guys um, go back and forth with. Um, Brian, the third guy that you saw there, lives on our, on our compound. He takes care of the dogs and uh, security and all those different things. And because he stays on our compound, then he has electricity, he has water, he has security, and he has a ride to, to the church. And he's in Bible college. Well, there's other guys, like the first guy, Godfrey, the older man, who doesn't have those things. So when they have a, an exam in Bible college, they compare. And uh, Godfrey says, uh, Brian, you have all those things. How come you don't get a better grade than I do? So the joke is, he, he always asks him, he says, are you a Jew? If you go to Romans chapter 9, where it talks about the advantage that the Jew had. They had the commandments, they had the covenants, they had the law, they had the prophets, they had the Messiah. And so the, the running joke is whenever Godfrey gets a better grade, he asks Brian, are you a Jew? <laughs> you have all the things that I don't have, but yet I'm getting a better grade than you. How much more do we have than the rest of the world? But what are we doing with it? Are we like the Jews? who have all those things but then reject our very Messiah? The advantages we have, just some of the things pastors talking about, the conferences and preaching that you have, speakers coming in, we don't have that advantage there. Our guys don't have that. We have guys that are living in mud huts that are ready right now to go and preach. They're willing to walk. They're willing to ride a bike. Oh, they'd love to have transport. Who wouldn't? But they're willing to walk, ride a bike, to go and preach. You saw Brother Sunnah, the one in the middle who's a Muslim. He is going out to the village of Karsandara on Tuesdays and preaching. And he rides my bike out there. Last month, or two months ago... It was in the rainy season, and he's riding his bike out there. Uh, my bike. I have to remember that. <clears throat> <laughs> and he sends me a video of him while he's riding out there. He said, Pastor, when you come back to Uganda, would you bring me a waterproof Bible? Because while I was riding out here, my Bible dropped, and now it got spoiled in the water. I thought, well, I can probably bring you another Bible with a nice case. Uh, then there was a lady in the church when I told this, and she Googled it and found a waterproof Bible. But how many of us would be willing to ride our bikes in the rain out to a village to preach? For unto whom soever much is given, of him shall be much required. 
And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. What's God going to say when we stand the judgment seat of Christ? And he'll say, I gave you so much. What were you waiting for? What were you waiting for to serve me? I gave you all those opportunities. In Matthew chapter 25, we have one of the accounts where the man had three servants. To one servant, he gave five talents. To another servant, he gave two talents. To another servant, he gave one talent. He left and said, be busy. Occupy till I come. After some time, he comes back. The one he gave five to made five talents. And what did he say? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. The man who had, had two talents, he made two talents. What did the master say? Shame on you. You should have had five talents. Is that what he said? No. I gave you two, and you made two. Well done. He comes to the one that he gave one to. I was scared. I, I was afraid. I didn't have enough education to use it. I was afraid I, I couldn't do it properly, so I just hit it. Shame on you. Now, do you think the master expected the one he gave one to to make five talents? Do you think he expected him to make two? No, he just expected one. You may not have what your neighbor has. You may not have the time everybody else has. You may not have the resources everybody else has, but you have what God has given you. And he expects you to give an account for what he's given you. You don't have to look at your neighbor and see what he has. Well, she's got this. Well, he's got this. No, it doesn't matter. What has God given you? That's what he's going to require of you. What are you doing with it? Joshua 24, 15 says, Choose you tomorrow. When I'm ready. Oh, January 1st is my new resolution. I'm going to start serving the Lord. You really think that if you wait until January 1st to make a New Year's resolution to serve God, you're going to keep it? Today. What are you waiting for? If the Lord be God, follow Him. The story is told of a young Christian. He approached an older believer and said, I want to enter the Lord's service. The older believer said, well, how long have you been saved? He said, I've been saved three years. And the older believer looked at him and said, well, then in whose service have you been these three years? What are you waiting for to start serving God in this church? Right now. I look, out of, I, I, I look out at this church and I think what I would give to have people like this, the number of people being able to go out and start, oh, we could start hundreds of churches. Right, right. 
Now, you rightly expect us, when we go to the foreign field, to start churches. Amen? Churches. What are we doing here? I don't know how many preachers you have here, people that are called to preach. What are you waiting for to preach? You waiting for a pastor to tell you where to preach? Did God call you or Pastor Fong? Preach. Get out there. Do something. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for to answer the call of God to go to the mission field? There's a whole lot of places that have not been reached. Brother Brian mentioned the mountains are full of people that have never heard the gospel. They have the cults. They have their witch doctors. But they don't have Jesus Christ. They need someone to tell them, will you go? Will you say, Lord, I'll go? When we were praying about where to go, there were three, before our last furlough, we were praying about three different towns. Kabale, which was on the southwestern part of Uganda. They had the same language where we were at for 15 years. So we could have taken all the translation material that we had done there, the discipleship material, the gospel of tracts, the John Aromas, the Bible college material. We could have used all that down there in Kabale. That was my first choice. Lord, we can do that. We can jump right in and get started. The second choice was Fort Portal on the northern side. Language was a little bit similar. Uh, it was a little different, not quite the same, but it could work. And I liked the climate. It was up in the mountains. It was really nice. That was my second choice. My third choice, you're laughing, brother, but I wasn't laughing. My last choice was Kasese. Hot, humid, a whole nother language. And you know what the Lord said? I can send anybody to Kabale. I can send anybody to this town where all this stuff is done. Who's going to tell those people in Kasese? All right, Lord. But you know I wouldn't change it today. I don't want to go anywhere else. God has given us tremendous men, tremendous ladies there in Kasese, and I wouldn't trade it. It's not what I really wanted at first, but I trusted God. And God knew what was best. What are you waiting for to make that commitment to give? Well, January 1st, I'll start giving. January 1st, I'll start paying my tithes. No, you won't. If the Lord be God, follow Him today. Matthew 16, 24, and I'm finished. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If the Lord be God, follow him. Pastor. While you're praying, I'm going to thank Brother Census for that very timely, needful message. I don't think I need to add much to it except for the fact God's spoken. Are you going to follow? Who are you following? 
I think we need to come forward and just follow. Amen? Father, tonight we thank you for just a reminder of Elijah, one man who you prepared over a three and a half year period of time. Three and a half years before that, he wasn't ready. There all by himself, he stood against adversarial situations that most of us would probably say, I wouldn't do that. But somewhere along the way in those three and a half years, you challenged him with the same question. How long halt you between two opinions? The Lord be God, follow him. And Father, tonight I pray as we get into the Thanksgiving season, Lord, we need to really evaluate. Have we given our best to Jesus? Have we been filled with excuses, delays, procrastination, pushing off to other people, really been serious for God? Fathers, give the invitation. There's two things tonight. I pray for our, our church. Our, I love our church. God, we get a renewed fire in our hearts. Not about just giving reports, but giving results. Not just showing up, but doing our best for God. And then, Lord, there might be someone here tonight who's not saved. They're not certain where they're going to spend eternity. And we ask this evening, Lord, that they would come to trust Christ as their Savior tonight. They repent of their sins and by faith call on the Lord Jesus Christ to save them. As we give the invitation tonight, Lord, help your people obey.